Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. You're listening to Civics 101. I'm Nick Cappadice. I'm Hannah McCarthy. We have a fun little bonus episode for everybody today. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. You know, for a long time we've been saying, wouldn't it be really fun if we could do a civics episode about, I don't know, like all the president's men yeah, or Mr. Smith, Smith goes, goes to, to Washington. Washington. Yeah, all of these movies about democracy Veep. and government. Veep. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. And then one day we're all sitting around and we were like, of course, civics at the movies. You've plenty of time, so visit the snack bar now. A tasty treat will double your enjoyment of the show. Our producer, Jackie Fulton, is going to blast off with the first one. Jackie, what are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about NASA and Hollywood. So, Jackie, before we start, one of my favorite little trivia tidbits about NASA and the movies is that there is a movie so bad, so scientifically inaccurate, that NASA uses it in training for new hires to find as many inconsistencies in the movie as they possibly can. It is the 1998 classic, Armageddon. The United States government has just asked us to save the world. We're talking about space, right? Outer space? This is like deep blue hero stuff. I'm there. I'm with you. Beam me up, Scotty. Oh, yeah. That's the one where NASA recruits deep core drillers to fly to an asteroid and blow it up with a nuclear bomb before it can destroy Earth. It has 168 things in it that are scientifically impossible. Not just improbable, like impossible. That's, that's, that's more than one thing a minute that's scientifically impossible. Okay, so NASA, I'm very excited for this one. Did you actually talk to somebody who works for NASA? Boy, did I ever. I wore my NASA hat and favorite NASA shirt to talk to the big man himself, NASA's chief scientist, Dr. James Green. Uh, Dr. Green, are you there? You know, we've been having some connectivity problems here at NASA today. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Dr. Green may know all the science and technology to get to the moon, but like all of us, he still had issues with Zoom. It may be that, that he needs to reboot his computer. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Yes, I'm Jim Green. I'm NASA's chief scientist. And for anyone out there who might not know, what is NASA? Jackie, can you help us out? I'll let this nice man from an old educational video explain. The National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, was formed to consolidate U.S. policy in space that is devoted to peaceful purposes for the benefit of all mankind. While NASA might sound too cool to be a government agency, it is an independent agency in the Department of the Interior with a budget of $23.3 billion. NASA doesn't just send people into space. They study the Earth, the climate, 
our solar system, and beyond. Technology they develop is used to help all Earthlings. Dr. Green is the chief scientist at NASA, the top guy, uber nerd of all the space nerds. I asked how he got into studying space in the first place. In high school, the chemistry, uh, the chemistry teacher was uh, outstanding and he ended up becoming the head of an observatory. It was a 12-inch Alvin Clark refractor. And it was during that time that Star Trek, you know, the original one with, uh, with Captain Kirk and Spock and, and McCoy and the crowd, uh, really came on the scene. Enterprise log, Captain James Kirk commanding. We are leaving that vast cloud of stars and planets, which we call our galaxy. The question. When I wasn't watching Star Trek, I was observing the stars with the telescopes. You were talking about Star Trek. Um, I'm sure you saw that William Shatner went into space like a couple yes. of years ago. So filled with emotion about what just happened. I uh, just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I know William, or Bill, as he likes to be called, uh, reasonably well. I was on Bill's podcast called uh, uh, Burgers and Beer. Two things. He knows Bill Shatner and Bill Shatner has a podcast? Well, all the cool kids have a podcast. I'll drop him a line to beg for a guest spot. Okay, and speaking of Star Trek, Jackie, there's this thing that I've heard that's a little hard to believe, which is that sometimes NASA scientists develop new technology based on stuff they see in pop culture. Is that actually true? Yeah. I asked about that. I've heard that um, like shows like Star Trek and Star Wars, especially tra- Star Trek, have actually inspired scientists to uh, make certain things. Do you know if that's true? Yeah, of course. In fact, I was the NASA head consultant on the movie The Martian. I have no way to contact NASA or my crewmates. But even if I could, it would take four years for another manned mission to reach me. I, I was very privileged to be able to do that. Uh, the book was written by Andy Weir. Great, uh, a great hard science fiction book, meaning that you use the basic understanding of our physics and knowledge, and then you extrapolate into the future um, uh, and then create a, a vision. Uh, and we call that, you know, hard science fiction. And I had... Um, one of the major uh, set designers, Art Max, with me at the Johnson Space Center. We toured modules that NASA was building, you know, to test what they might look like in functionality on the surface of Mars. And of course, that's part of the movie. And uh, so he was walking around saying, I don't see this. I don't see this. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do this? And I said, Art, you have to figure this out. You have to, you have to be able to decide what it's going to look like, you know, uh, and, and, and if we like it, we might actually adopt it. For example, Dr. Green talked about how things we see in shows like Star Trek influence the way NASA does things, like how NASA is able to call an astronaut on the space station on their iPhone. The TV show in the 60s, you know, was talking about as a major way you communicate. Well, Communicators, you know, then are like our iPhones today. It's amazing what we can do. Kirk Enterprise. Scott here, sir. We're beaming up. Notify transporter room. 
And so indeed, uh, things like that occur in science fiction that then uh, gets stuck in our mind. And, and, and indeed, uh, many people move in the direction of creating these kind of things that are science fiction at the time, but can become science reality. This brings us back to Armageddon. It might not be as far-fetched as you thought, Nick. Next, we have a bit of news from space. A NASA spacecraft set to launch this week will try to change the trajectory of an asteroid, which could come in handy if Earth is ever threatened by a rock from space. It was put together by NASA's Planetary Defense Office, which is a real thing. NPR's Nell Greenfield Boyce reports. NASA keeps There's an actual NASA Planetary Defense Office? And they sent spacecraft to whack into an asteroid? Just like in the movie? It's less dramatic than Bruce Willis blowing up the asteroid with a nuclear bomb. NASA will be nudging the asteroid a different direction instead. But still, that's science fiction becoming reality. So NASA, our real-life space agency, sometimes creates technology based on science fiction. And science fiction drives some of the tech that NASA develops. But why is NASA so cozy with the movie industry in the first place? We'll get to that after the break. But first, we want to tell our listeners we have a fun, goofy newsletter that comes out every two weeks. It's called Extra Credit. It's free. It's a gas. And you can subscribe at our website, civics101podcast.org. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey there, everyone. Hey, folks. The whole Civics 101 team is here in D.C. for a week. That's why you hear cars and stuff whizzing by. Uh, we are in the district to talk to the people that we talk about on a daily basis. And a lot of those people work in the executive branch. That is the largest employer in the world. And a lot of those people work in the civil service, where, after the assassination of James Garfield, it's a long story, they take an exam to make sure that they are the right person for their job. But if you run a business, and you're not the federal government, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all, but to match instead. With Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 23 hires are made on Indeed every minute, and their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com civics. Just go to Indeed.com slash civics right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash civics. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Everybody listen up. This is serious. We are currently in a competition with another NHPR podcast, albeit a great one, Outside In, to see who can raise the most money, who can get the most fundraising contributions. If you're listening to this show right now, we believe that you prefer us. And if you do, if you feel like Civics 101 brings value and education and information and fun to your life, consider, if you have the ability, making a donation. You can do so by clicking the donate link at civics101podcast.org. Also, we like winning. Help us win. Okay, we're back. Yep, this is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. I'm Nick Capodice. And today we are talking about civics at the movies and the special relationship between NASA, the government agency responsible for science and technology related to air and space, and the big screen. And helping us out today is our producer, Jackie Fulton, who spoke with NASA's chief scientist, James Green. So, Jackie, we heard from Dr. Green that he consulted on The Martian. And I want to know, to what extent is NASA officially involved? in the movie business. Well, Sandra Bullock got to consult with an astronaut before shooting Gravity. And NASA has confirmed that they are working with Tom Cruise to film a movie on the International Space Station. And of course, he does all his own stunts. Dr. Green told me that the agency is involved in over 40 to 50 documentaries and films a year. And look, I don't want to be a total killjoy here, Jackie, but how does a government organization justify this kind of thing to its taxpayers? We are a federal agency. We're funded by the public and what we have, you know, can be requested and acquired. We have an enormous amount of data and indeed um, many, many groups use that data. So it's not always scientific. It can be used in, in different ways. NASA does invest labor, resources, and therefore taxpayer money into these movie projects. But they see it as part of their mission to give the public access to their work. And like in Dr. Green's case, it can be a good recruitment tool. For filmmakers, a perk of working with NASA is that they get to use NASA's technology, like special airplanes to get actors into near-zero gravity. They're called the Vomit Comet. These planes uh, go into an orbit that goes straight up. Uh, flies uh, a little parallel to the ground and then comes straight down. And it's that it's that leg where they're going straight down that uh, 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 you end up feeling like you're in space. We call that microgravity. And uh, you end up floating around. And in fact, uh, you know, the movie... Apollo 13, which is a, a movie about um, uh, that, that particular mission's problem. It's beautifully filmed, and you, you have the sense of weightlessness as they go from the capsule back into the, the lunar module and, you know, and float around. Much of that was filmed on what are called these zero-G flights, these uh, parabolic uh, flights that, um, that, that happen to make it as realistic as possible. They didn't use wires. They weren't, you weren't suspended from the ceiling in some studio. Face of the earth, and we have a pretty good show in store for you tonight. We are going to show you just what our life is like for the three of us here in the vast expanse of outer space. Okay, one of the first things we'd like to do is provide you with the appropriate background music. 
So, uh, hit it there, Fredo. Hello, Rose. Last thing, if NASA is sharing its materials and data and scientists with filmmakers, how does someone like Dr. Green feel when he sees an Armageddon, you know, <laughs> a bad capital B-A-D movie about space? Yeah, I, I enjoy science fiction movies, but I really don't go to a movie and pick apart the science. I like going and, you know, sort of check my science at the door and go on in and, and really enjoy it. Yeah, it could get tedious, I guess, to, to pick it apart. Um, so you're able to suspend disbelief. <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course. You have to recognize that as you study science, you're taught about physical principles and the, the laws of physics, the laws of quantum mechanics. Some of these things are very strange. In fact, most of them are very strange. And most of them are hard to relate to yourself here on Earth, you know, you know with gravity. The ability to tease out what's happening on scales that you cannot see with the atoms and how, how they're arranged and what they do. And that requires a little suspension of uh, belief sometimes. about you nick that makes me feel much better about binge watching x-files me too we're doing it for the science jackie and if you want to hear more of dr green geeking out about space science you should check out his podcast gravity assist i told you all the cool kids have their own podcast That'll do it. This episode of Civics 101 was produced by Jackie Fulton and Rebecca Lavoie. Our staff includes Christina Phillips. Music in this episode by Animal Weapon, Chris Zabriskie, Uncanny Valleys, Nagdo, Sci-Fi Industries, Anzi Orchestra, Blue Dot Sessions, and Carl Casey. And if you have a favorite movie or TV show about government or politics or anything adjacent to us, please drop us a line. Tell us you want an episode on it. You can email us at civics101 at nhpr.org. I really just want to get an expert on to break down the accuracy of movies that depict the machinations of Congress, you know? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of accuracy, I have heard that people in government say that Veep is actually remarkably accurate, that a lot of what you see on that show is exactly how conversations and decisions go at the executive level. And I really want to know if that's true. I want to do an episode on it. All right. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.